0: Thank you, Pastor Allen. Well, it's good to be here this morning. Good to have all of you in-house and all of you online as well. You can always register to come and join us in person. Uh, you can do that online and be here next week as we worship together. It's good to have uh, Allen and Taryn here. It's been one year since uh, Pastor Allen came on staff. And yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Um You know, this year didn't look anything like we thought it would, (laughs) but he has proven himself to be a very, very valuable asset and part of our congregation. We appreciate uh, both Alan and Taryn and all that they do. Um, I've asked uh, Alan to preach next week. I I had no idea what a phenomenal teacher he was, and uh, so I'm going to... Just sit back and enjoy his teaching next week. I hope that you'll join us. Also, something Pastor Alan and Taryn are going to be doing starting in November is uh, doing some casual get-togethers with our young adults. Uh, Sometimes we don't uh, focus in on the young adult population of Wenatchee First, but they are there. Actually, they're visible. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, three of the six worship team members We're 25 years of age or less this morning. And uh, Pastor Allen and Taryn are going to start doing some events for young adults. That'll be from um, running start, running start age up to about 25. So we'll give you more information about that later, but I think it's great. They are looking at needs, and they're meeting those needs, and we're glad that they're with us. This morning, I want you to stand. I want to introduce our prayer of the week you'll stand with me and then we'll get right into the Word of God. We've been doing prayers of the week for about the last four or five weeks, and uh, this is the one that the Lord has laid in my heart for this coming week. It'll be in the prayer guide. You'll see it in the link. I hope you'll pray it every morning. Pray it right now with me responsibly if you would. Lord, I need you to give me financial faith that I do not have, obedience I do not want to give and trust that does not come naturally. Notice there's three things there. Some of you are struggling financially. Some of you are wondering, man, should I tithe? Yes, you should tithe. You should have that ability to exercise financial faith in those areas. Some of you know what you need to do, but you just don't have the obedience to do it. Ask the Holy Spirit to give that obedience. We're talking about tough stuff here in Luke 6. Loving your enemies. That does not come naturally. So we need to ask God to give us obedience to do what we don't want to do, what we don't want to give. And finally, trust. Just like we sang about. Doesn't come naturally. Let's say it again, shall we? Lord, I need you to give me financial faith that I do not have. Obedience I do not want to give. And trust That does not come naturally. If you remain standing, let's look at our text this morning. It's Luke chapter six. It's the same text as last week. This is part two of a really tough message called Loving Those That You'd Rather Hate. It's tough to give up your rights, take up your cross, and be obedient to the teachings of Jesus. It's not easy to follow the teachings of Jesus. And this is tough stuff here. Because he says, love your enemies. None of us want to love our enemies. We talked a little bit last week about who our enemies were. Not just the people we disagree with. Not just the people that maybe we have you know, differences with. Our enemies are those who are out to get us. Those who want us to be destroyed. Those who are causing us ill well. Those are our enemies. And those are the very people Jesus is asking us to love. Let's read it. It's all red letter stuff. Luke chapter 6 verse 27 through 36. But I say to you who hear. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also, and from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you, and from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back, and as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. If you love those who love you, what benefit is that to you? And your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, today we pray in the next half hour that your Holy Spirit will soften our hearts. Holy Spirit, will you give us the strength and the courage. Give us, Lord the ability to do what Jesus is asking us to do. It does not come easy to us. And Lord, it's not even what we want to do. So we pray you'll change our heart and that Lord, that we will become more like you in a very divisive, hateful world. And people will see that we are loving our enemies, we're doing good to them, we're blessing them and praying for them. And because of that, they'll see our love and they'll know we're disciples of Christ. And they, too, will want to come into that relationship with you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. We looked at them last week. There's actually three things here that God, through Jesus, asks us to do. Do good, bless, and pray. We talked about the do good part last week. We're finishing up this lesson today by looking at the second and third exhortations. I don't know about you, but if I was given a choice between having kind of a half-hearted friend or a bitter enemy, who would you choose? I would tend to choose the half-hearted friend, to be honest. Most of us would. We'd rather have someone who was somewhat a friend than someone who just hated us. And never missed an opportunity to slight us. We don't like to be around those people. It's the opinion of a great Greek philosopher, Diogenes. Lived before the time of Christ. He said, if we did not have a faithful friend in our lives, the next best thing is a sharp and severe enemy. I want you to think about that for a moment. It may be even better for us to have enemies in our life because often enemies do us more good than those who we might consider to be our friends. Everybody needs a good enemy. <laughs> I didn't expect any amens there, but let me, let me explain. I, when's the last time a friend pointed out your errors? One of your faults. One of your weaknesses? When's the last time a friend really caused you to lean into the Lord, to ask for patience, to ask to be more loving? Most of the times, our friends will overlook and pass on our sins and our failures. Not so an enemy. <laughs> an enemy catches us at every air. Sometimes it's almost like our enemies are spying on us because they want to discover our sins. If you ever had somebody in your life who just waits and watches for you to stumble so that they can laugh and gloat, you know that that person actually brings accountability into your life. You want to stay on the straight and narrow. You want to live a holy and upright life because of that person who's keeping your feet to the fire. That's why I say an enemy actually can help challenge us to live for God and in this day and age we have a lot of people who are against us how are we going to respond to them will it I pray help us to press more into the teachings of Jesus and live for God boy an enemy helps us to get rid of our sin helps us to get rid of our hypocrisy We don't want them to have ammunition against us. You want to get rid of those things. So in a way, if you look at it through that lens, we should thank God for our enemies. If we look at them through the lens that Jesus is telling us we should. Because an enemy will either make you very bitter or they will make you a much better enemy follower of Jesus and that is my heart for teaching out of Luke 6 the last couple weeks because of those who are opposed to us we gain patience we gain grace we gain wisdom we gain strength we gain creativity that's why I say an enemy can actually be used by God kind of as our own personal prophet to help us to grow in grace And in our salvation. You've all watched the Olympics on television and often heard Olympic runners say that they prefer to run against their greatest rival. Because it's then when they run the fastest. Think about that. An enemy can make you jump higher, jump further, run faster in your life with Jesus. But it all depends on how we respond which goes back to last week's lesson, it all begins with our attitude. Are we going to let our enemies drag us down into the mud pit and react with the same hatred and rage that they're using? Or will we let those enemies make us better and rise to a level of love that God wants us to be walking in? It's up to you. It's up to me. Attitude is... Is everything, And I'd say for the most part, enemies tend to drag us down and spur us on. Most of the time, if I know someone's gossiping about me, I am tempted to say a juicy nugget about them. Tit for tat. That's the way we are. When an enemy curses us, you know, it feels real good just to curse them back. When an enemy points out our faults, it's real easy for us to see three faults in their life. It's the speck and log thing that Jesus talked about when it comes to judging. When an enemy wishes evil for us, sometimes we pray something bad to happen to them. When they sling mud, we sling mud. Again, where have we learned that? We've not learned that from the Word of God. We've learned that because we live in this world, and that's the way the world plays. Hate, division, put-downs, insults, alienation. But listen, the fact is an enemy doesn't have to make you bitter. That enemy can make you better. And Jesus knew that, and that's why he's teaching us this really hard principle of loving those who hate us. Last week we talked about that. We learned uh, who our enemies truly were. We talked a little bit about that. We talked about following the attitude of love. And then Jesus gives us not just this exhortation and says, go figure it out on your own. He gives us this commandment, really. It's more than an exhortation. He says, love your enemies. It's a commandment. And then he gives us three specific ways we can do that. And the first was to do good. We talked about that last week. Do good to our enemies. The second was to bless your enemies. That's found in verse 28 of our text here. It says, Do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you. Man, that's a unique statement, isn't it? (laughs) It was and still is kind of revolutionary, it's kind of shocking. It's like when you're trying to take a, a warm shower and all you get is ice water, you know. It just, it jolts us into listening to what Jesus is saying here. Because this is so contrary. Bless those who curse you. It's so contrary to what we see practice in our world. It's so contrary to how we feel when someone curses us. And the idea Christ presents here, friends, is really unique, and I want you to listen. It is found really nowhere else in all of historical literature. Nor are these exact words recorded in Luke 6 ever found in the Old Testament. But, I want us to look at the principles for a moment of the Old Testament and understand that before Jesus said it, blessing those... Who cursed us, even if it was not articulated, it was not unique to the character of God. Because God's very nature is one of goodness. He loves us. He's a redemptive God, a God of restoration, a God who cares for us. In studying the Old Testament, you know, we see a side of God that's not truly, or I should say, not fully revealed until Jesus came to earth. So often we view the God of the Old Testament as almost being angry and and violent. But I want you to understand there are glorious glimpses of God's goodness and love and glorious glimpses of what Jesus is teaching us here even in the midst of the Old Testament one good example would be Exodus 33 Moses gets to see the goodness and the glory of God pass by him and God says to Moses I will have mercy on those whom I I choose to have mercy upon. I will have compassion upon those whom I choose to have compassion upon. Not based upon their actions, but based upon God's nature. See, that's not that message of retaliation, tit for tat, when God says, I'll have mercy on whoever I want to have mercy on. It's God saying, I have got a right, based on my nature, to show mercy and compassion to anyone I choose, friend or foe. That's really the underlying principle here. He can shower blessings on his enemies, as well as his closest companions. God actually, in the Old Testament, blessed many of those who cursed him. That's grace. And God's all about grace, (laughs) You know, grace preceded Jesus because God is the author of love and goodness and grace. We see it demonstrated in the life of Jesus, but you can see it in the Old Testament. We see another glimpse in other places of Scripture. Job 25. I just got done reading through Job. Psalm 145 is another place that God blesses those who are his enemies. God says, hey, I'll send rain and I'll send sunshine on both the wicked and the good. Why? Because that's his nature. There's a parallel passage you might recall in Matthew chapter 5 that's exactly what Jesus points out. God causes the sun to rise on the evil and the good. God sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's an Old Testament principle It's articulated more clearly in our Savior, Jesus. Now, when you think about that, Jewish teachers taught rain as being one of God's ultimate acts of blessing. Rain was very important. They would teach, man, if it rains upon you, that is God's favor. So this idea of blessing those who curse us might not be found among humans prior to christ but it's something god has always done for his enemies that's why here in luke 6 28 christ is calling us really to imitate god when he says bless those who curse you shower the rain upon the just and the unjust have mercy because god tells us to have mercy it's not based upon that person It's based upon the nature of God and the person of Jesus that we're representing. It's interesting that the verse before that that we looked at last week talked about doing good to those who hate us. When someone wants to do you harm, we're to do them good. Had to do with our actions. Now, it has to do with our words. He says, do good. But if that's a little bit too hard for you, at least speak good. Speak blessing into their life. I was inspired this week by a devotional that one of our members sends to me every day. And it had to do with that you carry the peace and presence of God. So every room you enter, you should proclaim prophetically the peace of God in that room. We have that power. We have the Holy Spirit in us. We can bless those who curse us. You might not have it in you right now to actually do good. But could you begin by saying something good? I mean, when they curse you, when they gossip about you, when they spread rumors about you, could you at least say something good in return? If you look close enough, you can find a good quality in any person. Bless them. Pour out praise on them. Tell others what great people they are. Now, as a general rule, that's not how our world operates. But I'm telling you, friends, according to the Word of God, if you want to follow Jesus, that's how we're supposed to operate. I recently read about the thumper rule. Maybe some of you have heard the thumper rule. It comes from that movie Bambi. (laughs) There's a little rabbit. (laughs) His name is Thumper. (laughs) And Thumper says, if you can't say nothing nice, don't say anything at all. If you can't say nothing nice, don't say anything at all. Man, that thumper rule is good advice and it's rooted in what Jesus is saying here. When you talk about your enemies, keep your mouth shut unless you're going to bless them. Find that one quality. If you have an enemy in your life, the quickest and greatest way to make them a bigger enemy is to open your mouth, criticize them, say something negative about them. You're going to widen the gap, friends. You're just pouring fuel on the fire. Try instead the way that Jesus (laughs) suggests here. Say something nice about them. And if you can, even do something kind to them. Find something praiseworthy about their character. Praise them, encourage them, speak of them well. There's a book called The Grace of Giving. It's by Stephen Olford. He has an illustration in this book I had never heard or seen before he tells of a Baptist pastor by the name of Peter Miller who ministered during the Revolutionary War Pastor Miller served in a town where there was a very evil minded man by the name of Michael Whitman Michael Whitman did everything he could possibly do to oppose and humiliate Pastor Miller and that Baptist church. One day, Michael Whitman was arrested for treason, sentenced to death by President George Washington. Pastor Miller traveled 70 miles on foot to Philadelphia to plead for the life of the traitor. He talked about his good character traits. He talked about his hard work ethic. He talked about his upright standing in the community. And when Pastor Miller was done praising Michael Whitman, who had done nothing but persecute and abuse and give this guy grief, George Washington said, Despite all the good things you've said about him, I cannot grant you the life of your friend. And immediately Pastor Miller said, My friend... No, he's the bitterest enemy I've ever had. Washington looked up and said, what? You just walked 70 miles to save the life of your enemy? And Pastor Miller said, yes. And Washington said, that puts the matter in an entirely different light. I will grant his pardon. And he pardoned Whitman. That pastor back in the Revolutionary War was the perfect example of what Jesus Christ is teaching us here. Do you have an enemy that only says bad things and negative things about you? Say good things about them in return. Jesus says, bless those who curse you. And understand, it's very difficult. It's difficult for me. I was talking to one of our members before church in the lobby about how difficult it really is to apply this to our daily life. And that's why I'm certain that the Holy Spirit recorded Jesus' words in this particular order. I don't know if you've thought about that. He says, do good, and then he says, and bless them, and then he says, pray for them. Why wouldn't he start with prayer first? (laughs) I I think Jesus is really trying to help us here. I think he saves this next uh, exhortation at the end of verse 28. Because he knows it's going to be really hard for some of us to do good to our enemies. And it's going to be hard for us even to speak positively about our enemies. So then Jesus says, okay, if you can't do those two things, then at least pray for your enemies. Isn't Jesus gracious in the way that he deals with us? I mean, just the way that you look at that scripture and unpack it. you Wow, thank you, Lord. You know I want to do good to my enemies, but I just can't. You know I want to say something good about them, but it's hard to. And he says, okay, then just Pray. Pray for your enemies. That's the third exhortation. Pray for those who, and then he says, spitefully use you. Not just the person who backs up over your rose bushes accidentally. Not just the person who disagrees with your particular views on something. He says, pray for those who spitefully use you. I don't know about you, but I read that, and my temptation is, okay, I'll pray for them, all right. I'll pray the fire of judgment down on them is what I'll do. That's what I'll do. I'll pray for their demise. I'll pray bad things happen to them. No, no. It's like that old Irish prayer. I found it a couple weeks ago as I was preparing for this series. May those that love us, love us, And those who don't love us, may God turn their hearts. And if he doesn't turn their hearts, may he turn their ankles so we'll know them by their limping. (laughs) Now, that's humorous, but um, that's not how we're supposed to pray. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, pray for your enemies. He hardly had in mind a prayer of vengeance. I know there's some prayers in the Old Testament characteristic of that. And certainly, God wants us to be honest. And there's been times that I've cried out to God and said, God, I do not understand why this person's treating me like this. And it hurts and it's painful and I'm upset about it. And it's okay to be honest, God knows what you're thinking anyway. So it's okay. I'm not saying that we shouldn't be honest in our prayers. If we're angry at someone, tell God about it. Better to tell him than your neighbor. But according to Jesus, we should not attempt to pray down judgment. We shouldn't pray the wrath of God upon enemies. In keeping, again, with the context of the teaching, we should pray blessing and love upon them that they won't be judged for their evil ways, that God will have grace and mercy on them. Oh, God may punish them, but it's not what we should be praying for. And again, Jesus never asked us to do anything that he hasn't demonstrated himself. And one of the most amazing scriptures in the entire Bible, after our Lord had been whipped He had been mocked. He had been beaten. He had been scorned. He had been spit upon. He had this crown of thorns. What did he do? He prayed. And he prayed, Father, will you forgive them? In your mercy, will you forgive them? Friends, Jesus was the only totally innocent person that walked on the face of the earth. (laughs) You and I aren't that innocent. But you and I should have that same attitude against our enemies. Father, forgive them. See, that's the heart of Jesus, that none should perish. None should perish. All to come to repentance. Shouldn't we get on the side of Jesus and be praying for their salvation? Absolutely we should. He didn't deserved the treatment he was receiving when they nailed him to the cross. Yet he continued to pray for those who persecuted him. And it wasn't just Jesus. The first martyr of the church did the same thing. Stephen. He followed after Jesus' example. After giving testimony, you remember before the Sanhedrin, that yes, I believe Jesus is the Messiah. They said, well, we're going to stone you to death. And as the stones rained upon his body, as his flesh opened up, he prayed. He looked to heaven. And what did he say? He said, Lord, receive my spirit, and Lord, do not hold their sins against them. That's incredible. Acts chapter 7. Check it out. That's the kind of prayer, the prayer of Jesus, the prayer of Stephen. That's the kind of prayer. Jesus, don't hold the sins of those who mean harm to me and our community and our nation. Don't hold it against them. Have mercy upon them. There's another example. I don't want to take a lot of time, but you can actually go back to the Old Testament. And there's an example of this in King David. He acted this way several times in his life, and one of the greatest crises that he experienced was kind of during the middle part of his reign. It's found in 2 Samuel 16, if you want to read it later on. has to do with his son Absalom who was overthrowing him and a man named Shammai. And like Jesus and like Stephen, King David prayed and showed mercy to Shammai. We should pray for God to save our enemies. We should pray for God to bless our enemies. Such prayer is so powerful. If you have an enemy that you know you should do good things for, but you're just not quite there yet. If you have an enemy that you really should find something good to say about them, but you're just not quite there yet, at least take this first step. And begin to pray. Pray for God to save them. Pray for God to bless them. It's a powerful prayer. And let me give you a couple suggestions as we kind of wrap this up. First of all, pray for yourself. Because praying for your enemy is also going to change your heart. You pray for your enemy consistently that God would forgive them, that God would save them, that God would reveal himself to them. It's going to change your heart. So first of all, pray for yourself. Pray that your heart would change and be more like God's heart. Pray that you would see your enemies through God's eyes. that you would develop the same love for them that God has for them. Pray that God would perform a miracle in your own heart. See, praying for our enemies is as much about changing our heart as it is their heart. Pray that you would see them the way God sees them. You know, most of the time people are bitter and hateful toward us. It's because they have great hurt and pain in their life. Hurting people hurt others. Henry Longfellow once said, if we could read the secret history of our enemies, we should find in each man's life sorrow and suffering enough to disarm all of our hostility. God knows the secret history and the hurts of those who are hurting us. He knows their pain. Pray that God would give us his eyes to see them as God sees them. So pray first for yourself, and then, friends, pray secondly for them. That's what actually Jesus tells us to do here. He says, pray for those who spitefully use you. Pray that God would bless them. Pray that they would see the errors of their ways. Pray that they would repent of their sin. See, that's a blessing, too. When you really think about it, the conviction of the Holy Spirit in my life, as uncomfortable as it is, is actually a blessing. Because he's pointing out something to me that needs to be brought to him. I need to repent, and then I need to walk in obedience, and it opens up blessing to me. So the conviction of the Holy Spirit is actually a blessing. And that's why I say we need to pray for our enemies. Pray that they will repent. That is a prayer of blessing. Pray God will work overtime in their life to bring them into the kingdom of God. Prayer is the key to coming to a point where we can love and do good and bless our enemies. There's no way you or I will ever be able to do good to those who hate us. We'll never be able to bless those who curse us unless God gets involved, unless we open up our heart lest he changes our heart. Loving our enemy and blessing those who spitefully use us is a supernatural spiritual work. We need the Holy Spirit's assistance if we're going to follow Christ in his teaching. And in order to get that supernatural work, we need to pray for those who spitefully use us. When we pray that God would help us love them, and see them with his eyes, and give us opportunities to do good, we're going to discover that all of a sudden, we view our enemy differently. Might never be our best friend. That's not the point here. As we bless and pray for them, they, in turn, will bless us, even if they remain our enemies. How? Because as you love those who hate you, you come to understand the heart of God for a lost and a rebellious world. I want you to stand with me if you're in-house. And I just want you to bow your head and close your eyes for a moment. And we're going to pray, first of all, that the Lord will change our hearts. And then I want you to just take a moment and put into practice what Jesus has taught us today. Holy Spirit, I just pray that you will show us our hearts and that we will yield our heart to become more like you. Father, we can't do what you're asking us to do without the power of the Holy Spirit. But thank God the Scripture says that the Holy Spirit is in us to give us the ability to do all that you've asked us to do. So God, we pray that the Spirit will help us to bless those who curse us, to do good to those who do us wrong, and to faithfully pray for our enemies this week. Would you just lift your hand up toward the Lord this morning and say, Lord, I need your help. I need your help. I can't do this on my own. I need the power of your Holy Spirit. I need to deny myself and my feelings, my emotions. I need to yield and be obedient to you. Lord, our hands are up. We surrender to you. And we ask that your Spirit help us. Now I went all of us right now even those that are watching online i want you to take a minute and i want you to sincerely just pray for someone who is irritating you right now maybe it's a neighbor maybe it's a family member maybe it's a politician yeah you you know those people that can push your hot button get you agitated real fast would you just lift them up to the Lord right now in a sincere way? Say, Lord, forgive them. Help them come to repentance. Help them to find you. Help them to see you in me and the way that I am responding. Lord, we just take a minute now. We lift people who we would rather hate, up to you, knowing that you've commanded us to love them and that you've given us the power of the Spirit to do it.